Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered. I'm your host, Blaine Putney, and uh, I'm joined now by a special guest, our recurring guest, Grant McCagg of Recruits.ca. Welcome to the show. I'm glad you decided to have me recurring. Well, I mean, somebody's got to come on the show and do stuff that people want to watch because it's not going to be me. I mean, I can do hand, pu- I can do sock puppets, but that's the extent of my talent. Got to see that sometime. Let me know when you're doing that show. Well, after a couple of drinks, you never know what might happen. <laughs> Things got weird at Tootsie's in Nashville. Yeah. How was Tootsie's anyway? I was, it was good. Yeah. Like the, all the NHL bigwigs seem to go there. Eh? Yeah, it did seem that way. There was quite a few of them milling about, uh, GMs, coaches, uh, uh, the same with the uh, the junior teams as well. Good, good. Wish I could have been there. You missed out on a good time. I know uh, Matt and I held each other up on the way back to the hotels. <laughs> There's no video of that, is there? No. Okay, good. Because like, you know, like when McDavid got caught there being held up by somebody when he was walking back to the car. That didn't turn out so good for him, but apparently the... Well, we're not uh, we're not pro athletes. True. Not quite as famous. No, slightly less. Okay. Okay. So uh, for this, uh, this show, it's not going to be a long one. We're going to kind of try and keep it fairly condensed just to respect your time. Uh, but we're going to talk okay, about the draft me. and what, yeah, we'll talk about the draft and what you saw at the uh, development camp afterwards. So let's just we'll dive right in and we'll talk about your draft list going into the draft. Who who you had at the top of your list? Okay, we're going to go back to that, eh? Um, well, we got to set the stage, right? Well, yeah, well. Who I had at the top of my list is not who got drafted yet. So I don't know whether that's good or bad or, you know, indifferent or it's nice to have a different list, I suppose. You know, it, it'll be fun to look five years down the road and see if Dvorsky and uh, Leonard are better than Smith and Carlson. Cause I, you know, I mean, I, I've said right from, uh, quantified it w- with with saying that uh, they may not get more regular season points, but that doesn't mean that they won't be better, more valuable players to their teams in the NHL. Um, personally, I think that they're winners, and they're going to help a team at playoff time especially. Um, Leonard uh, reminds me of a Sam Bennett type. I've, I've said that a few times, and, you know, uh, Leonard – uh, sorry, Bennett was a major reason reason why Florida made the finals, I think. And Leonard, you saw it like who scored the gold medal winning goal for uh, the U.S. at the U18s. It was Leonard, you know, steps steps up in the big moments. So while uh, both of us are happy with Reinbacher going to the Habs, uh, we understand the pick. I think in discussions that we've had, but uh, yeah. Neither of us would have minded Leonard being being the house pick either. Safe to say. Yeah, yeah. He he was at the top of my list that I had to go at five for Montreal. I felt that he was a good fit for them. He brought the type of hockey that you need in the playoffs, like you mentioned. And I thought that that was something that the Canadians didn't have very much of in the system. So yeah. for that reason, I wanted to see him go, but. He did. 
Reinbacher. I mean, uh, yep. A, a right defenseman. Um, a defenseman's been taken in the in the top five in the past twenty two drafts. So I don't think you know. There's a lot of people that were surprised by the pick, but given that fact alone, you have to understand why he was taken. Uh, Nemich was taken ahead of Logan Cooley last year. We, you know, uh, for because of the value of a defenseman, um, they can play. If if they end up being in your top three, they're going to play more than twenty minutes a game. They're going to play in all situations, and Reinbacher has that potential. He uh, there are no discernible flaws in his game. I don't think he's got size, uh, uh, skating, uh, some offensive uh, ability that could could see him play on on perhaps your second power play. I think he's going to be on uh, killing penalties. It's going to be on at the last minute of a game, protecting a lead. That's not something Matvey Mitchkov was going to be doing uh, for any team, I don't think. So um, you have to you have to keep the puck out of your own net at the same time that you have to put it in the other team's net. So I uh, I fully understood the pick pick by the Habs. And it's the style of the play that he has as well. He's not just a big guy who plays like a Hal Gill. He's very mobile. He defends extremely well without having to be taking himself out of position to throw hits. He's positioned extremely well. And more importantly, he has an excellent first pass and he can carry the puck up ice. He controls the, the play for his team. So he's able to get pucks up ice, get them into the offensive zone and generate offense in that way which is something the Canadians still need. Absolutely. He, uh, one of the reasons why both Nemec and Reinbacher were picked so high in the draft, I believe was just the poise and confidence that they showed at such a young age playing against men. They did it in their league and they did it at the world championships. You know, they're just, uh, I think, uh, a high floor is something that gets uh, maybe underestimated when it comes to a top 10 pick, but you want a guy, you don't want a guy that doesn't work out. You um, you want a player that is almost can't miss to be a top four or a top six forward. That is very appealing. Now, when that's your floor, but your ceiling is it could, he could be a top pairing right defenseman, that, yeah. that, that's a nice, you know, tier to be in. Uh, and you're making that pick. You're going to you're going to sleep that night uh, with very few worries. You you know that you're getting a future solid, solid NHL player who could be a 25 minute uh, night uh, guy for you in important playoff games. So, uh, I don't know how a fan can be irate about that. It's just. Uh, uh, yeah, the you know the potential of Michkov uh, doing what no other five ten Russian winger has done since Pavel Bure uh, is exciting, but um, there so many things have to go right for that to happen, including him developing for three years in Russia the way you want. Uh, how is he going? to going to adapt to the North American game playing three more years in the KHL? Will he pick up NHL habits? Will they, will they be trying to teach him? They aren't, they aren't molding him to play in the NHL. They're, they want him to help them win hockey games. That's, you know, they've got jobs uh, that they want to keep just like uh, NHL coaches and GMs. So uh, there's so much unknown with, with Michkov and there isn't with Reinbacher. And I think that was very attractive to the Canadians. And before I go back to Reinbacher, just a quick aside on Michkov, his interviews apparently went okay, but he didn't do anything to really wow anyone or convince anyone to take that risk. And all of all the talk that he's had since has been, I wanted to move down. I wanted to move down to this team or that team. 
now he's saying Philly because they picked him. But if that's the case, how much effort did he actually put into the interview? Like, did, if you don't put enough effort in or show enough uh, interest, why would the team take that risk? Yeah, well, apparently he just said, oh, I only want to do interviews with this team and this team. Yet, you know, there are already teams that weren't going to draft him. So that really narrowed it. <laughs> it's really narrowing it down. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he used an interpreter as well, which I can't think. I'm sorry, but that couldn't thrill. I don't think that would thrill the teams that did interview him. Uh, mm. it, it, you know, um, other Russian players in the past decade, at least, how many top picks have needed an interpreter top 10 picks in the past decade for the NHL draft. It's not very many. Not many. No, not many. I mean, we can go back to Kostitsin, but that's 20 years ago now, (laughs) 15 years ago or whatever it was, you know? And I mean, that didn't work out great. Right. But uh, it it shows that, you know, is he going to need an interpreter three years from now? How much is he going to work on, on, uh, you know, simulating with language. Of course, what I've heard about his, uh, uh, what kind of teammate he is, maybe perhaps him not learning English would be actually a good thing. So players, <laughs> his future teammates don't hear what he has to say. But anyways, that's another story for another day. Yeah, there was there was some whispers about that uh, running around Nashville. The, uh, well, whispers. It, it was openly said what kind yeah, of yeah. teammate that he, he was. So that's another reason that uh, teams may have overlooked him. Uh, I know a lot of fans wanted the flashy kid. They wanted this high-end offensive kid, but all of them admit, everybody who wanted him still admits that this kid's a one-way player. Right, right. He's not going to be out protecting that lead with a minute left. Um, there's some selfish selfishness to his game. Uh, a little bit. And... Uh, you know, I mean, I'd, 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 I don't want to keep uh, dragging him through the mud, you know. Uh, no. it, it, I mean, Reinbacher's a fine pick, and for the most part, Canadian fans have uh, have finally warmed up to him. So uh, I do want to kind of, you know, pump the brakes a bit on, on the Michkov uh, um, criticism because at the end of the day, I don't, I certainly don't want him to fail. I don't want any any uh, kid to fail. So, uh, just like Shane Wright last year, like I, you know, yeah. I hope he has a successful career. I just hope it's not a better one than Slavkovsky's. That's yeah, that's not asking too much. No, and I agree. And to bring it back to Reinbacher, uh, I think that his interview and the interviews they've done about uh, with people around him in his camp is what actually put him over the top because he only came in he said i'm here to put on my work boots and win a stanley cup for you that that's you know that that's been released and everybody knows about that but i spoke to his uh his world juniors coach and his uh off-season defensive coach and they can't stop raving about just how good of a kid this guy this kid's got great character and he's the hardest working guy they've ever seen yeah, and all all indications are are that as well. And then uh, I was at the development camp and saw him getting interviewed. And uh, funny kid, good, great personality. He he made everybody laugh uh, a, a number of times. Um, yeah, he he's high character, and I I think it's, I mean, you you just can tell from the fact that he's Austrian and he goes away at a young age to Switzerland to play. You know, uh, the, the dedication that's there, the sacrifices from his family and, and him. Uh, very touching that uh, scene where he uh, uh, FaceTimed, uh, I guess, his parents when he was signing the contract there. That was uh, yeah, a- another glimpse at his character and that he's a real kid, you know, genuine kid. That uh, it's too bad that he went through that... Uh, um, crap with uh, social media and fans that decided that they should uh, blame him for being chosen by the Montreal Canadiens because 
he, he's just a, a super, super nice kid. Yeah. And I think people, I understand the desire for the, the high end offensive player, but at the end of the day, they have one of those offensively gifted, smaller framed wingers. Do you really need more? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people have said, well, they haven't had an offensive superstar in, in 30 years. Well, have you watched the team in the last two years? Like, how old is Cole? 22? Like, I mean, yep. he's just hitting his prime here. He was on pace for what? 40, at least 40 goals last year? Something like 48, that. 48, I believe. Okay, so uh, <laughs> not bad for a 21-year-old. Like, you have to look at it like... uh I mean, I don't see why he can't be a 40, 50 goal scorer. So is that not an offensive superstar that they haven't had in the last 30 years? He's right there in front of them. I do feel that he does qualify for that definition. Well, sure. And uh, there's not a, can you name a team in the league that has a 5'7 and a 5'10 winger on the top line that's, that's uh, you know, driving a team to uh, glory in, in Stanley Cup playoffs. Like, there, there is – I don't think there's a team in the league alone that has a 5'7 and a 5'10 winger on the top line. You need a mix. And, uh, you know, okay, so you have the 5'11 center in between. No, it just – it's – it's when you're looking, especially when you're drafting top five, top ten, you're, you're trying to project, okay – where does this guy place in my, in our future lineup? You have to, you know, yeah. you, you, it's part of the, he's a, he's an important piece of the puzzle. So did Michkov, uh, ideally it's Slavkowski on the other side. And I, that's what, when they drafted him last year, you can't tell me that they weren't, you know, even Slavkowski himself said, well, you know, uh, Caulfield and Suzuki need a winger, and uh, that's who I project to be in that slot eventually. Maybe not this year, yeah. but maybe this year. In fact, I predicted it last year, so I mean, I'm expecting it soon enough. And uh, but was it going to be Michkov playing with Suzuki and Caulfield? It just didn't add up. Uh, he would have it, it make more sense for him being a second line winger. Now, do which do you draft a guy that's probably going to be on your second line or a guy that's going to be uh, probably top pairing right defenseman? Well, it, it's a no brainer, even if he's second pairing right defenseman, that's more valuable than a second line winger, no matter how dynamic sure. he is. So I, I I understood the uh, the logic completely in them taking him, and you yeah. know, as as you keep saying, it's not the sexy pick, but it's a practical one. And, and I think it's in the long term probably going to end up being the more impactful decision because while he's not a fancy type of player, he doesn't put on a show. He's not a PK Subban. He he is very capable defensively. He is. Big. He's six two already. Almost one ninety five. He can probably play with another twenty pounds, thirty pounds of muscle on him. Yeah, That's... yeah. I think he's gonna like. A, from what I saw, his uh, lower body's fairly, fairly developed, uh, but he can he can stand to put on another ten or fifteen up top. Uh, you oh, know, yeah. uh, five five pounds a year over over the next three years. And he'll be up to he's at one ninety seven and another fifteen would two twelve, and his growth plates aren't closed either, so yep. uh, he might grow another. I, I think he grew in this past year because I know he was listed at six one and a half for at one point, and I like Central had him at, and I you know I'd say to my scouting friends that were at games like he looks taller than six two. You know, and sure enough, he's six two and a quarter. I think is what what he ended up measuring at at the combine. So, uh, you know, maybe another three quarters of an inch, uh, six three two twenty. That uh, you know, I, 
you have uh, Mayu 63220, Reinbacher 63220, Gouli 62210 or whatever he is, and then throw in a throw in a Hudson, you know, uh, throw a uh, five nine one sixty. Uh, he'll get up to one seventy five or whatever, but. You can certainly, if it's those three in Hudson four years down the road, uh, he's insulated with three uh, uh, big, big defensemen that that can take care of the uh, the front of the net. Not just that; those are three big defensemen who can actually move. They're capable of keeping up with that with his style of play, with his speed, his pace. That's that's extremely important because just throwing a, it's not like playing a, that. Uh, Nintendo game ice hockey where you got to pick the tiny guy, the medium guy, the giant guy. They and the giant guy's always slow. In this case, you got the giant, but he's fast. Absolutely. Um I see some similarities in in Gooley and Reinbacher, really. Like there uh um a lot of similarities there. Um but again Reinbacher's on that right side and it was there was a need there. I think, um, you know, um, Barron has shown that uh, he may not be a top top four defenseman. You know, um, I mean, when they draft, when they picked him up from Colorado, I suppose the the hope was that. But I think we we've seen that that's that's a definite question mark. So. Um, and then may you, there's no guarantees there either, especially if something happens, you know. Um, but uh, so it, it just made sense to add that that third young right defenseman that has a lot less question around him and that you're almost guaranteed it's going to be a top two uh, right, right defense pairing guy. And it's funny, you know, like last year, I don't see Nemec being top pairing blue liner in Jersey perhaps ever. Like a, he might only be second pairing right defenseman. Uh, but they took him second overall. Like there's such a, uh, there's such, it's such an important piece to get a top four defenseman regardless of where he ends up playing because of the the fit or the structure of your team. Like Dougie Hamilton, it, it's going to be a long time before Nemec is better than Hamilton. And uh, there's other defensemen that I think may end up being better than Nemec too. So uh, it didn't matter to, to Jersey because you need that, that top four, those top two pairings um, wins you Stanley Cups. You got to have them. You got. It doesn't matter whether, you know. Um, I always look back to the big three in Montreal. I know it's going way back, but yeah, yeah. Guy Lapointe was a second pairing defenseman, but uh, second pairing defenseman that's in the Hall of Fame, right? So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it was such a huge piece for them to have the guy on the second pairing that could and should be on a first pairing. And it just made them so 40 to 50 minutes a game. Bowman had either LaPointe or Robinson out there. Uh Well, how are you going to beat that? It it didn't happen very often. No. And with the way the uh, NHL is going now, uh, the way they're building blue lines where you have to have those, those larger mobile defensemen who play in transition, that's that's the way the NHL is going now. So the the value placed on those types of players has increased way way more than uh, a smaller scoring winger. Oh, for sure. Vegas had uh, their top scorer this season was sixty eight points, I believe it was Eichel. So yeah. was it high powered offense that won the cup for them? Uh, no, it was it was uh, their six defensemen. You know. Was there a better, a deeper group of big, mobile, uh, you know, good puck moving defensemen than Vegas's? No, I think that's that was the key to them winning a cup. They did it with a friggin' backup or a third string goalie as well, you know, who didn't look bad in the playoffs, but 
when you've got that defense core in front of you, it, yeah. it, it, it certainly, it, it was a huge reason why Vegas won a cup. I mean, if you were to ask any Habs fan, would you want an Alex Pietrangelo on your team right now? I don't think you'd find anyone who'd say no. No. And Reinbacher is, you know, has been compared to, to, to Alex. And I mean, that's obviously his ceiling if he ends up being, yeah. you know, that good. But I see a lot of similarities there. Uh, just same style. Yeah. Yeah. Same, you know, close to the same size, uh, same style. Um, not, a not going to get 80 points in a, in a season, but, uh, and not the most physical player in the league, but just does everything so well. Um, you know, it, it just has all the tools to be a top pairing defenseman. And, and that's Reinbacher as well. And I mean, it, down the road, if it's Gooley, Gooley and Mayu, um, Reinbacher and Hudson, who cares? You know, it, there doesn't have to be a top pairing and a second. That, that's just what could be two considered two first pairing, you know, uh, defensemen. Stick them out there, play them 40, 45 minutes a game and, uh, you know, get a lot of points, keep the puck out of your net and win games. Now we're talking about pairings, and we, you mentioned earlier Hudson and Reinbacher. Now you saw these two paired up at the uh, the development camp, and I think it's it's the Canadians trying to build some chemistry between the two because they see what we all see, and that's two players that complement each other. What did you see out of that pairing? Yeah, frickin' frack. Well, I I heard that. Uh... <laughs> Hudson was pretty pretty happy about the pick and was texting a couple yeah. of the the guys and uh <clears throat> what I saw was uh, Hudson already foresees that you know he he wants that to, to be the case down the road yeah. and he uh he got an early start on it he was he was feeding uh Reinbacher <laughs> you, you saw that scrimmage I gather and just uh yeah you know he Every chance that he that he got to uh, to get the puck on Reinbacher's stick, he he did so because he wanted the kid to score. You know, the top five pick to score in front of the you know the sold out crowd at the uh, Bell Complex. So it was uh, it, it 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 was refreshing to see because I've been saying it for a few months now that if they do take Reinbacher. I see that being the the thinking that what a great compliment to to Lane Hudson, uh, which would give Hudson the capability of being in a top four uh, role, five on five, and then just being the like I think we all see that the, the high potential he has to be a power play quarterback. It's just. Uh, it, it's it's up there with Fox and McCarr as far as his potential offensively on the power play goals. So, you know, if you, you can you can find him a a steady role five on five. He'll also obviously generate a lot of offense uh, five on five as well. So yeah, big picture when you you know, and, and I think Stu Cowan brought it up. Well, where do you? How does this help the offense? Well. If uh, drafting Reinbacher ultimately results in Lane Hudson being able to play a top four role that he otherwise wouldn't have, there's a lot of offense that that you're uh, you're generating just from that fact alone. Because Hudson produces offense, he produces points. Uh, whether it's five on five or on the power play, he he's uh, he's always producing offense so um there there's your offense right there you know um now you have those guys out playing with Caulfield Slavkowski and Suzuki in three years time I don't see why that five those five can't create and score a ton of points 
And you know, I, I know a lot of fans have been pushing for more analytics with the Canadians and with uh, Chris Boucher, they've gotten that. They've gotten a, a better and larger analytics group with the Habs. And you just look at the analytics, the the numbers behind Reinbacher, and everything points to him being an ideal fit for someone like Lane Hudson, who could also become like a Quinn Hughes type of defenseman. Yeah, absolutely. So um, if having Reinbacher, drafting Reinbacher results in Montreal having a 70-point defenseman, and having the guy that can protect him and that will enable him to play 20 plus minutes a game. Uh, that's, you, you know, you talk about adding offense, that's adding offense and piles of it. So um, I also think, you know, they, in the last year, they've added Doc uh, Slavkowski and Newhook. Three top 16 picks, all under the age of 23. Lots of offensive potential there. So this thought that they haven't been, and then they have Suzuki and Caulfield on top of it. So uh, there's five of uh, spots in the top six going forward. Now, if Monaghan's the other one, he was a top five pick too. All of these guys, high pedigree, high offensive potential um uh, to me that there there isn't a lack of potential offense there what there is is youth and uh we need we need patience and if these guys grow and reach their offensive ceilings going to look back at two and three years and say oh geez we you know Funny that they wanted to draft the five ten winger that year. Remember that when? Uh, uh, so I I see the uh, w- the way the Canadians are are uh, are planning this, and uh, I think Reinbacher is an important piece of that future puzzle. And that's just that they're trying to build a team, not trying to just pick out you know this player, that player. They need to find people that not only suit uh, a need that have the skill, but fit with their overall plan. So it's not like these, they're just going in and throwing a dart at the board. They're, they're putting in the effort. They're putting in the work to find the guys that they feel are the best fits. Now, clearly they have to develop these people. And some of the work is now focused on goaltending. And they went out and picked three goalies in this draft, which seemed to, upset people even though they knew it was coming it was just i think it's because they traded those picks for new hook who i think is going to be an excellent addition to the team it's just everyone had their hearts set on that that late first and that early second round pick yeah well going into the draft you're looking at you know geez they could have had three guys in my top 30 or you know yeah that you know but again there's one spot as far as i'm concerned available in the top six going going into the future and um they have a they'll have a high pick again probably next year and um that's probably where they intend on getting that sixth piece right the Mm -hmm. they've got the defense set now um going forward now there's a pile of defensemen that are highly touted next year. And again, people have, have said, well, why did you not wait? Well, you don't know where they're going to pick next year. The defensemen may not develop as, as you know, just like the year Cal foot and Tim Lindgren, Lilgren were top ranked top five ranked going into their draft year. And then by the time yeah. the draft came around, I, I wouldn't even taken them in the first round, but um so you you can never don't count your chickens before they're hatched when it comes to, to that kind of stuff where you're projecting a year ahead of time which position's going to be strong. But also, let's say five defensemen go in the top ten. Uh, maybe the Habs end up with the top winger 
on the draft board, just like they ended up with the top defenseman on this draft board. Well, back to back years, you can come away with a top, potentially a top defenseman and a top winger. That's not a bad thing either. So um, I think that that's the, the, the long-term plan this year in the top 10 or a lot of centers that ended up going. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, there was, was there a winger I don't think there was a winger in the top six. Right. So, no, um, it wasn't really, uh, thought of as a, as a high, like high end wingers, um, in this draft, if, uh, you know, if, if Carlson and Smith end up being, being centers, as I, I believe that, that those teams hope because they picked them that high. So, uh, um, so much y'all took the top defenseman again, it, uh, I don't, I don't think you can go wrong. You can't have too many defensemen. They're going to have some great trading chips and that's the other angle too, where, well, yeah. where, where are they going to get this offense? And well, uh, there's only three left defense spots and, and there's probably seven down the road that are going to play in the NHL. So they've got three or four really good young defense prospects that they're going to be able to, uh, to, to perhaps package to get a, to get a, to fit a piece in there in the top nine that they're going to need down the road. So um, it's not all, it's not just like, it's a chess game for these guys. There's many moving pieces and they're not just thinking one piece at a time. They're thinking, you know, you have to, you have to look at it like, well, you know, the roster is going to be a lot different in a couple of years. Uh, you know that some of these defensemen are going to be traded. They've already traded a couple of them, uh, Romanov and Edmondson. Well, there's two more coming in the next couple of years. We just don't know who they are at this point, but they'll uh, they'll they'll find that other top nine forward piece that they need uh, by dealing uh, excess left defensemen. I think. I think they've got some top nine potential players already in their system. They can use them as yes. well to trade for uh, a slightly better player in the future. I mean, you have Farrell and uh, Yalonen. Uh, Beck is going to be on his way soon. Um, Mishar, Kidney, Roy, Heineman. That's a Kapanen. lot of prospects. Always oh, Kapanen. He's fourth on my – he's my top-ranked uh, forward. Uh, on uh, draft list, and he's always the guy that kind of gets overlooked too. Uh, I think he's better than Beck. I see him as the future third line center, and uh, Beck, it, yeah, uh, Beck could be on his wing or maybe the fourth line center. Imagine Owen Beck as your fourth line center. I mean, that that's that's going to be a pretty good team in two or three years, I think. And, and that again. While all those play, all those prospects have the potential to fill those needs, they, maybe half of them make it. Well, that's still that's still almost a full roster of players no, on their I, way up. Well, exactly. You know, I think Roaz could be a top six forward. I mean, he certainly showed Good. that potential. Uh, I mean, he's been one of the best junior players in Canada the last two years. Um, was excellent at the uh, World Juniors. Um, I think he's shown enough defensively now that he could fit a third-line role, if that's what he ends up being, uh, because he's not maybe fast enough to be in the top six. We'll see. But certainly he's got the smarts, uh, vision, um, puck skills to be a, to, to land a top-nine role. And, I mean, there's Raphael harvey Bernard who – you know, we didn't even mention who's only 24 yeah. that uh, played like a top six forward at times last year when he got the opportunities. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of pieces there and uh, they're going to keep adding uh, more, uh, including, I think, next year at the draft, they'll probably get a winger. Um, it They needed to shore up 
uh, goaltending. And it's funny, like when they traded away that first and second, it was, uh, or sorry, the, the two seconds or no, it was a first and second 31 and 37. Um, (laughs) yeah, you, you get to the fourth round and, uh, one NHL scout said it well to me, like you're not going to get a top six forward in the fourth round. Like the odds of that happening are not very high. So you can go for this five, nine high scoring, you know, uh, USHL or something like that. You could, you could, they could have gone that route, but um, instead they, they went the, uh, uh, get those goalies, you know. Um, yeah, <laughs> add three to the system. Um, fill out the depth. They were certainly good. I mean, I didn't focus on goalies at the at the camp. I never really do, but uh, they were solid. They own in the scrimmage. They there was only like three or four goals, I think, in the whole scrimmage, and that's nonstop, four on four. So. Uh, they they look pretty solid and um um who knows maybe next year they add they even add another one uh in the top 40 or something like that so that they're going to have more than seven picks again in the yeah. in the next two drafts so they're just going to keep adding young assets and uh at this point their their under 24 talent is it's got to be right at the top of the league and that that's encouraging for the future. Well, I know a lot of uh, lists that uh, look at prospect depth. Uh, they have the Canadians right at the top, either first, second, or third on any other lists. Um, yeah. And when you're looking at the goaltenders uh, in this draft, the you know there's Trey Augustine and, and Hrabble. They were all at the top of people's lists, but Jacob Fowler it was considered to be in that competition for top goaltender. And they yeah. got him at number 69. So I don't think that's a bad pick. No, no. I mean, the numbers are there, right? Um, yep. The physique and the and the height weren't ideal, and that's why he didn't go in the top two rounds. But certainly as far as picking a goalie that stops pucks, he was arguably the best in the draft. So uh, I've, I've always, you know, my simplistic look at, at goaltending at the very top, uh, most important thing for me is that they stop pucks. And if they, (laughs) if they they stop more pucks, their save percentage is higher than the other guys, then I think that they're doing okay. So um, Fowler was lights out in the playoffs. And I guess, He's always been a winner when it comes to the big games. He just steps up um, really competitive, really smart. Uh, had a have a goaltending. Uh, well, he's an agent now. He was a scout, former goalie who, uh, who, who, you know, says athletically, you don't know how he, how he does it, but he does because he's just the smartest goalie by far in this draft class and competitive and c- comes up with the big saves. He, uh, I brought up the name with it, with a couple of guys, uh, um, Tim Thomas, where there, I think there's some similarities there. Now, if he can, you know, pull off a Tim Thomas once or twice playoff time for the Canadians down the road, uh, you know, we'll take that for a third round pick. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I was speaking to a couple of uh, agents and some others uh, while we're waiting around for our flights <laughs> to get to Nashville because shit got weird with the uh, with all the flights going in. Uh, and <laughs> one of them brought up Fowler's name before the the draft even happened, and he called him a gamer. So, yeah, uh, yeah, can't be upset with that pick at all. No, no, and. Uh... Especially at, at 69 overall, because the odds are that probably less, you know, 70% chance that he, he never plays, whoever you pick at that point. So, yeah. Uh, why not go with the goalie that stops pucks? 
<laughs> and Habs fans do like those goalies. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kenny Dryden used to stop a few and not he 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 seemed to do okay. He did okay. I mean, if you're into those Hall of Fame Stanley Cup winner type of goaltenders, he's okay. <laughs> so uh before I let you go, you watch the development camp, you watch the draft, you're gonna be uh putting out some prospect uh previews, just breaking down prospects for people on uh, Tony Marinero's sick podcasts channel. So that's a big deal. So I'm looking forward to that. But before we get to that, what expectations do you have for the off season? Like uh, one major piece of business you feel that has to get done for, uh, for Hughes can go down and hang out on the beach. Hmm. I think he's got to try to dump, uh, uh, Hoffman's contract or do um now why did they not buy a lot of teams bought out guys is there not what's the you know how come Hoffman wasn't bought out I'm a little surprised about that but is it uh will they can they not do it cap wise or does Molson not want to dole out the money or like, I don't know. I was a little surprised that Hoffman wasn't bought out. Like, there's only a year left, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not like it would be a huge hit, I don't think, on their structure. But And with the well, cap going up so. and stuff, I just I don't see him having a spot in the lineup. Every, every time I do a, you know, uh, kind of jot together 12 names, um. I don't have a spot for him. So uh, I don't know unless you can do one of those, you know, here's a draft pick and here's Hoffman type of deals with a team that's trying to get up to the, but usually that's done either at the draft or, you know, around free agency and not. So I'm starting to wonder if it is the plan really to uh, keep Hoffman on the roster and at the expense of a young kid that probably deserves to be in the lineup. Um, I never liked that. I know Goche and uh, Sabard and Bergevin were all guilty of that at times, you know, giving spots to the Hemskis and the, you know, these guys that really shouldn't have been in the lineup, but the coach loved the vets, so had to have the vets over the rookies. And uh, I think it hurt development in the system then. And I just hope that it doesn't come at the expense of a kid that deserves a spot, you know. Um, so I hope that one of Armia or uh, Hoffman or both ends up uh, somehow getting getting dealt so that the kids, the, the, the deserving players get, get a uh, full opportunity this year. And uh, you don't have them either being lost on waivers or going down to the minors when they shouldn't. So I think that's, that's what, what needs to be, uh, to be done at this point. And I'm happy with the roster going into the year. I don't see them having to uh, really add anything at this point because I don't know that the uh, expectations are that they're going to make the playoffs this year. But uh, I do think that there's such a good young core here, and if they get off to a good start and the momentum, uh, you know, they get some momentum built up and confidence that – the sky's the limit with with this group, um, especially with with uh, Caulfield, Suzuki, uh, Gooley. Like all these guys can make big steps this year. I think they're at that age where they can uh, they can really make another important step in their development. And um, if you get the goaltending, Montreal, I think will be very competitive this year and. Uh, you know, just pray that the injuries. Uh, yes. It's not like the last two years; it's just been ridiculous. 
Yeah, well, the changes in the medical staff, I'm hoping translate to at least a third of those injuries, you know, gone off the top. Because they, they're setting records for man games lost every yeah. freaking year. It's just, you can't compete that way. You just can't. No. And uh, it's very frustrating. I think three of the last four years, it's just ridiculous the amount. Like, I don't think another team has come close, you know. No. Um, it's no, year after either. year. So um, it's the part that where I think uh, Montreal's, a, the expectations are low. So that's another reason why it, they might just uh, surprise a bit this year because yeah. teams like Buffalo and, and Ottawa, the pressure's on them now. They they keep being dubbed the up-and-coming teams while Montreal's not mentioned at all at this point. What if Buffalo and Ottawa get off to another slow start, which they've been prone to do the last few years? Um mm-hmm. You know, the pressure will mount. The GMs are in trouble, especially in Ottawa. To make a panic move or two, uh, you know, um, they, they pick up a Corpusalo. Well, he had hip surgery two years ago. What if he gets hurt again? Then what? So uh, it's going to be interesting to see if uh, Tampa, I can see Tampa coming back to the pack a bit this year. They just keep losing pieces. And eventually that catches up with you. The yeah. the core is getting older. Um, it would not surprise me if they're in a battle for the playoffs this year. So um, which one of the young teams steps up? You know, Detroit could, could be a lot better. Um, Montreal, and I mean, I get it. They had a lot less points than... Buffalo and Ottawa, so those two are considered to be the teams that could steal a spot, but you have to factor in the the, the crazy injuries that Montreal had too. And uh and for that reason, I think it'll be a none of those teams are gonna be poor, I don't think, this year. And it'll uh it'll be a good race in, in the division. It should be a lot of fun. Well, and if you look at the Canadians last year, before all the injuries started to really pile up, that that first couple of months, they were they were near a playoff spot, not in one, but close to one and competitive. And if they can get a full season like that, where they end up close to five hundred, I think that's a win. Give yeah, some meaningful games all year long, and you know a couple of bounces that go their way, you just never know. No, for sure. And it'll be interesting with Monaghan, you know, and I mean, it, yeah. if they are in the playoff race come trade deadline, what do they do with these guys, right? If Monaghan has a really good season, you know, you got to offer them an extension, I think. You know, if they're if they're anywhere close to competing, Monaghan's healthy and he plays like he did last year, uh, you know, as long as he doesn't want $8 million a year, <laughs> uh, it, it, you gotta you gotta look at possibly extending them too. You, you you can keep piling up draft picks, draft picks, but there's only six top six spots, and I think five of them are are spoken for down the road. So you know uh, the the answer isn't in getting late first round picks to, to, as the uh, be all to end all. At some point, you have to say okay. Um, we want, this is one of the veterans that we want to help lead the young core. Cause you need a few veterans. You, you just can't, yeah. uh, you know, no team has, has won strictly with 24 under 24 talent. You, you, you get the, you get the elders that pass on the knowledge to the, to, to the youngins and, 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 and lead the way. And Matheson's one of those obviously. Uh, but, um, you, you need them up front too. And I think Monaghan, to me, it'll be, it, it'll be interesting to see if he's kept around, if he's healthy, if they, you know, consider giving him a contract extension. Cause he came back. I think he likes it in Montreal, obviously. Right. Yeah. At, yeah. at the salary that he came back, surely he could have got that more than that somewhere else. Uh, it's telling me that he, likes what Montreal is doing. 
He likes the city. He's uh, all you hear about is is what a great leader he is too. Uh, the kids love him. So uh, that's another piece that'll be in. It'll, it's another chapter that that will be uh, interesting to follow this year because I I don't think it's a given that they just turn around and trade him at the trade lot deadline for yet another draft pick. Yeah, at some point you need NHL players to play in the NHL. Uh, having veterans, of course, is helpful. Uh, having guys with the experience as well is helpful. When you think of the, uh, you look at the Canadians lineup, uh, Suzuki, Caulfield, both have been to a final. They know what it takes to get there. Uh, New Hook, they just got got him. He's a cup winner. He knows what it takes to get there. That yeah. That's that's an important aspect of bringing some of these guys in. Yeah, for sure. No, it's uh, I, I like the I like the way they're building, and uh, it'll be it'll be especially fun to see how Slavkowski looks at camp. You know. Um, yeah. I he got a second half of the year. Um, got to sit back, watch the North American game from the from the cheap seats for a half season. Uh, you know, keep getting into the room, being shown video, uh, learning the North American game. Um, I don't think, I mean, obviously getting injured wasn't a good thing, but the, the way he was struggling uh, offensively as he was in a slump at the time, um, it, it could almost be a blessing that that he got that half season off where the pressure, you know, didn't build with, because if he'd have gone another 20 games and not scored a goal, you know how fans were already getting riled up about how he was a bust in this and that because he wasn't scoring. It would have just uh, mounted like it did with KK. And, uh, you know, get, maybe getting that half, half year away, uh, maturing a bit, continuing to, um, to learn the North American game with the coaching staff, with the video sessions, with sitting in the stands and watching the games. Uh, I think in the long run, he'll, he'll come, uh, he'll come to camp and he'll be, it'll be a little less deer in the headlights type scenario for him. I, he'll be, I think he'll be ready to go. And uh, we might see an, a significant jump in his um, confidence and production this year. Well, that would be fun to watch, and more importantly, a full healthy season. So Absolutely, that that right there would be a massive step forward. So that's that's pretty much everything that uh, I had for notes to uh, to talk about. Uh, was there anything else that you wanted to bring up? No, um, my time's up here. Got to go. Head to Costco. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, the fun that is us just shopping at Costco. Oh God, I hate. Well, that's I where hate you're crowds. heading. I hate. Oh, that's Jesus. where you're heading too. So yeah, I don't, know that, I don't know that we'll be in the same one, but doubtful. At least right, it's yours. You can go across the river and go buy some beer at yours. <laughs> yeah, good point. Uh, so yeah, that's it for me. Uh, I want to thank you for coming back to the show. You're always welcome back. I'm looking forward to the next projects that you have coming, uh, down the pipe. I think it's going to be really fun to watch. Uh, I think it's going to be, while it's going to be a quiet off season, I think, uh, next, next season is going to make up for it. So again, thank you for coming and uh, to my listeners, thank you very much for tuning in. And remember if you're talking about it, so are we. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. 
I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.